Ministries podcast. You're listening to part three in our short Philly Face series. Oh no. I'm here, obviously. Ronnie's here. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for asking. That sounds a little weird. I don't know. Well, I, was getting, he, I, was, I was energetic and excited to be here. Yeah, sorry, sorry. sitting in the backside with a cattle bra. Sounded judgmental mm. from you. Okay. Mm, 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 what is it? Just jump on mic night? I mean, you kind of started that. Yeah, you yeah. did start that. You, you did. Yeah, you, right. you, you absolutely did. Call me on it, brother. All right. All right. Well, as you can hear, Coffee Mike's here. Hello. <laughs> Cowboys Ron is here. Wow. I am, and we're doing very awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I, I got something to share on that in a second. And Bob's here. What's happening? I put that comment on your post. Yeah. You made that that post. I know about was, field goal. Yeah, yeah, the field goal. I'm not joking. Like right after I commented that, I'm watching their drive because I'm watching the game and they're in red zone. And I think the referees handed them like three or four different flags to make sure they didn't settle for a field goal. I was so excited because I'm like, yes, they're gonna have to settle for a field goal. I can make a comment. Yeah, flag. All right, they're gonna have to, uh, 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 they're gonna have to settle for a field goal. Flag. The bad flag, thing flag, is, though, flag, flag, flag. My goodness, you the must not have watched so the whole game. Tonight. You must not have watched the whole game because no, I left after that because I got mad. Well, here's hey, but here's somebody, the deal. Somebody had to help him out. <laughs> That's true. Ouch. <laughs> but here's the deal. I was waiting for him to say a comment because no sooner he said that, and I was like, uh, no. After I commented on his saying uh, wrong, I think we had five of them. <laughs> and I was waiting for a comment, and they never came. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Left too early, I think. Yeah, because I was like, "Gosh dang, now we can't get in the end zone." Way to go, Carl! <laughs> I like comment on the Cowboys because last time I did, I got a some feedback on it. Not for me. No, it wasn't from you. I was going to say, oh, pod- podcast listeners. Oh, I was going to say, don't worry about it. Chrome Dome's not here, so. <laughs> Chrome Dome hasn't been around much, so. Well, I think instead of Chrome Dome, we're going to call him Part-Time Mike. <laughs> that was you. Oh, no. No, it wasn't. No, that wasn't you. No. Well, I was going to continue on with uh, the whole purpose of this short, short miniseries is to share uh, what God was doing in Philadelphia. But because Chrome Dome isn't here, and I know he was excited <laughs> to hear it, we're going to hit the pause button on that. And I thought tonight we could just read through Psalm 23 and just discuss it. Oh, God. So, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm up for that. Some songs. Psalm 23 was what was on the backside of my son's obituary. And that's in a few days. But I'm here. Let's, let's rock it, I guess. Maybe there's a reason why you're here. Maybe. Maybe I, maybe I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> we're there with you a cool story and bob was there but i was i, I was preaching at a church i was invited invited to yesterday and uh god had laid on it 
heavily on my heart to to preach through Psalm 23. And it was so cool. Like the confirmations uh, that morning, you were doing a devotional in the Bible app, correct? Mm-hmm. And it just, and it wasn't tied to the date. It just happened to be that that's the one that you left off on. And that morning's devotion for him was Psalm 23. Yeah. That was day number four or five yeah. of the devotional I was doing. So then I told you about this, but mm-hmm. the, the night before, great, or I'm not grace, it'd be weird. Faith kept humming, Jesus loves me this I know for some reason. I have no idea why. Like we weren't like sitting around singing hymns or anything like that, but out of nowhere, she starts starts humming, Jesus loves me this I know. Well, I come into the church early because they do a Sunday school before their actual service. I kind of wanted to gauge things. And before they get started, they sing one hymn together and do a Bible reading. The hymn they sang together was the first stanza of Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And then their Bible reading was Psalm 23. Really? Yeah, really. It was like one thing after another. It was incredible. And uh, I think the I think the message was good. Um, I think that's the most surrendered I've been to him when preaching. Honestly, it's the most comfortable I've felt. Um, comfortable in a good way, in the sense that I'm yeah. not trying to control things. I just gave it over to him. Um, so I thought... Because eventually in this in this series, we were going to look at Psalm 23 anyway, because that was the overarching theme of the entire trip to Philadelphia. So I think it'll serve it well if we go through it now. And then when we go through the the last couple of days that I was in Philadelphia, it'll make more sense as to the message he was, I believe, conveying for me and I think for, for the rest of us as well. Uh, if it's okay with you guys, I'm just going to read through it. Yeah. And then we can just kind of discuss it. Are you doing all six verses? I'm just going to read through it, and then we can back up and we can discuss. So I'm reading from the NASB, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And for those listening, just in case there's anyone that doesn't know the background of the psalm, which is fine, this was written by King David. Before he was king, he was a shepherd of sheep. That was his entire life's experience. So what he's doing here is he's he's using his life experience as an, as an analogy to teach about his relationship with God, the good shepherd, from the perspective of the sheep. So obviously God is the shepherd here and he's the sheep. And he's explaining how God has guided him in his relationship and in, in, in seeking to better understand the good shepherd. And I think it's one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. Uh, it's one of the most loaded passages in Scripture. There's, there's, I mean, even just at a surface level, it's pretty deep. But when you really, you know, scratch beneath the surface, there's layers to this psalm. It's, it's really incredible. Every time I, I study it, I learn more. You guys have any thoughts? I do. Um, obviously, this is like one of the bumper sticker ones that you know as a kid or that everybody quotes like there's like samuel L. jackson has it in pulp fiction and like the whole nine yards right right and i always read it or had it read to me 
in King James Version or in um, ESV Version until five years ago, I went and found my Bible. That's my Bible. It was like a long process. And it was like I was shopping for a new car. Like I was there hours on hours. And it's weird because it's a Bible, right? But I wanted one that I could read, that I could understand, that I can dive into. It was going to be a study Bible. I'm older, so my eyesight isn't the best. So I wanted to make sure that the print was. So that way I didn't have any excuses not to dive into it. This was the second verse that I read when comparing translations for myself. Yeah. Right. John 3.16 was the first one because I knew that one growing up. Right. And then Psalm 23, because I knew that one. And not until I had four different translations in the Christian bookstore out did I get the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need in and C- and CSB. Like it, I don't know what Ronnie thought prior to that. But when I read it in CSB, it like finally clicked with me. Uh, he's my shepherd. I might not have what I want, but he's going to give me what I need. Yeah. All that you need. And then there's other things like other, the translation was more spot on for me to, like I said, I knew the verse, I knew the Psalm, but it's like it clicked all over again and like, oh, oh, you know, and like you said, layers on layers on layers. Yeah. Not like Shrek, but, <clears throat> and even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And like, it's just, I felt energized and at peace knowing more, mm-hmm. right? Like actually understanding some verse that, or chapter that I've known for 40 plus years prior to that. And then um, verse three on CSB says, he renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. And renews my life because that's exactly what he does. Mm-hmm. You no, know, Ron, I got a question for you. And I've, I've been asked this question, but interested. Anybody can answer it, actually. No, right? you said it was for me. Okay, okay Ron. <laughs> no, it's all kidding. yours, brother. Um, why should a rod and a staff comfort somebody? I can answer that. Uh, it's it's shepherd shepherd language. I I, I know. I, so you know the answer, sure. I want you to answer. Yes. So is it a rhetorical question? Then for you, because you know the answer, or I think I know the answer. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. So a, a shepherd would would primarily iconically carry two objects. They would carry a rod, and it was a more short wooden object, and it was specifically for defense. So if a wolf, for example, was threatening the sheep, the rod would be used to attack the wolf and beat it off. Staff was different. That's the very iconic shepherd staff with a crook in the top. Looks like a giant question mark. The purpose of the staff wasn't defensive, it was guiding. 
So they would use that to nudge the sheep to guide them in the direction they should go so they wouldn't wander. And the crook could be used also, and I'll get into that in a second, because there's a word I want to dig into that I got into with a sermon yesterday. But if a sheep, for example, fell into a ravine or a pit and they couldn't get out, you could use the crook to hook it around the sheep's neck and pull it up out. So it was, a, it was an elongated staff so you could reach down, hook the sheep, and then pull it out of the pit that it was in. And that's why he's saying it comforts him, because even when danger comes, the shepherd beats the danger away. Mm-hmm. And even when the sh- when the sh- when I wander, David says, you guide me back onto the paths of righteousness. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. And the shepherd has is playing both sides of the fence, right? Mm-hmm. The offense and the defense. Because you got to be offensive and clear the path. But then you have to be defense and bring the sheep back too. Yeah. Or vice versa. However you want to look at it. You know, since we're talking about the staff, that's the first point that I kind of want to dig into because for the most part, I think the first verses are pretty self-explanatory. He's talking about the shepherd providing for the needs of the sheep, right? You know, the the basic needs, he he lays that out with the very first verse, green pasture for food, quiet waters or still waters for drink. And just as an aside, sheep, my understanding is they struggle to drink when it's a a moving stream of water. Yeah. So they need still water. So the, the shepherd would find still water from the for them to drink from. If a river was the only option, they would they would use some sort of an object to to gather the water over to keep the current from affecting it so that they could drink more easily. It just it demonstrates the care of the shepherd toward the sheep. That's what David's highlighting there. But that word that you you highlighted, that verse you highlighted, Ronnie, he restores my soul or he renews my life. When you dig into that word restore, it's really fascinating. In the Hebrew, he uses a word shub. Shub in Hebrew, and it's it's yeah. Well, pointing to the poster in our audio only podcast. Oh, yeah. but, you know. yeah. No camera, sorry. <laughs> so where we get the Hebrew word teshuba, and it literally translates as repent. So when we see the word repent in Scripture, that's the that's the underlying word that that David's drawing from there. And think about that for a second. He's saying he repents my soul. Jeremiah does something similar in Lamentations chapter 5 when he says, most English translations say something like, uh, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we might return to you. Restore and return, there are both shub. So he's, it's like he's saying, Repent us to yourself, O Lord, that we might be repented. What's interesting is it seems like he's highlighting the shepherd's act of causing us to repent. And I know that we're commanded scripturally to repent, so obviously there's an action from us there. And, you know, this concept can't be in conflict. Obviously, he, he requires us to repent, but he's saying that he repents for us. So how do you compromise those two ideas? I think the shepherd's staff is the, the explanation there. When we stray away from him, away from his path, and we fall into a pit, our act of crying out for help is our repentance. He doesn't need us to cry out for help to find us because he's right there, Right. But his act of reaching the staff down and pulling us out of the pit pit is his act of repenting us. So all we can do in that moment is cry out and acknowledge that we need to return to him. But we have to stop fighting against the staff and butting heads against the staff and surrender our neck to the staff so he can repent us back to himself. I think that's what David's highlighting here is that when we cry out, even when we get into a place where we can't crawl out on our own, the shepherd repents us back to himself because he loves him so or because he loves us so much. It's a beautiful word picture. And you would miss this without the the shepherd language that David draws from here. 
Any other thoughts before we move on? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. All right. You covered that pretty well. Central theme to me is verse four. And it's probably the most iconic. It's what everybody thinks of when they when they hear of Psalm 23. Usually it's either the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or most people's mind goes to, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. And because it's such, such strong language, it grips your attention right away. And David is using strong language in the Hebrew there. It's no minor thing. Um, valley of the shadow of death is Psalm of Veth in Hebrew. And it can literally translate as a valley of death, dark shadows, or death-like darkness. So it's not necessarily death itself he's talking about. He's saying that the valley itself is is like a darkness that's that you could only be that you, you could only describe like death-like. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily that he's talking about death. He's talking about the the severity and the the fearfulness of the valley itself. That without the shepherd would cause death. Yes, I perceive that as. Uh walking through the world mm-hmm. because the world is death. I mean, it, it, the world actually belongs to Satan because God said, Hey, I'm going to throw you out of heaven, but you can rule over this. Yeah. So, you know, this, this is the, this is the dark valley that we walk through and we're only here. We're only here for a short time. So the thing is, is we just got to understand that God's walking us through that valley. You know, it kind of reminds me uh, when I when I read that verse, it reminds me of the footprints in the sand. Hmm. Yeah. You know, there's one set of prints, and you're like, well, he wasn't there with me. He's like, I was there with you. I was carrying you through that. He carries us through this dark valley. You know, um, that's why we should praise him while we're in them dark valleys. Even though we think he's not there, he is there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he doesn't show himself, but he's still helping you through it. Sometimes you got to learn a lesson through that valley, you know, and there's a lot of life lessons we got to learn as we walk through this world. The thing is, we just got to trust what he's what he's doing for us while we're walking through this world. Absolutely. I think praise kind of it <clears throat> praise is a way of getting your eyes on him. Yes. And that's really the central the central to Psalm 23 is that phrase you are with me. It's literally central in the Hebrew. When you look at the Hebrew text, there are exactly 20 26 Hebrew words before and 26 Hebrew words after that phrase. When he says you are with me, it's the exact precise center of that poem. And that's that's with intent and by design. So, you know, that dark valley experience should draw you closer to him and get your eyes on him. That's, to me, that's the whole purpose of the valley itself. It's not because he wants us to go through a dark, terrible valley. It's because that's what it takes to get our eyes on him. Well, I got a question. <clears throat> Shocker. No, I know. Um, we always talk about praising when we're in the valley. Can someone give an example of somebody who might be in a valley of what praise might look like? At that point, or is it totally self-driven as far as what your praise might be at that point? Going through a procedure that you don't understand why you got to go through, 
Okay, that, that's a great example. To, you know, you, you're not understanding why you got to go through, through that procedure to be able to uh, get fixed when you know fully that he can fix it instantly. So what would be the praise for him at that point? The praise is, is the praise was and is that he gave me a restart and he showed me that through that procedure. That was my praise. Because I needed a reboot. Like but I said. I think Mike's, you're on, Mike's you're question. On the other, you're on the other side of it. Yeah. I'm talking about in it. In the middle. In the middle of it? What are you praising? Praising him because I know. you know. I, I get that. The praise the praise in the, in the walk through the storm is, is knowing that he's there with you. <laughs> and understanding that he's there with you. Period. There ain't no other praise to it. I want to Go ahead. Go ahead, Ronnie. My example was a couple of weeks ago, I was really sick, more sick than I let on even to my wife. Right. So she knew I was sick just by looking at me, hearing me, but, and, but she didn't know how sick I was. It was a sleep, sweat, take medicine, repeat, repeat. <laughs> Sleep, freeze, take medicine, lay down. And and it was a week-long thing. Okay? So, by, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't feel like doing anything. But I knew that he was there with me. Whether he was laying in the bed with me, he was slumped over the chair with me when I was tired of laying down and forced myself to set up. Or insert whatever here, right? Like forcing myself to make the 10 feet to the bathroom to go to the bathroom, right? Like... And I, I praised him in that. Do I know why I went through that sickness? How bad that was? Maybe not. But you asked me a question earlier, like, because I told you guys to buckle up because I feel resurged again. And you might as well fasten the seatbelts because we're going to do some things. And in that time... It might have been, let me go back to sleep, please, Lord. Let me go back to sleep because I I don't feel like being awake. I'm not saying let me sleep for eternity. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm tired of throwing up. I'm tired of going to the bathroom. I, I don't, I'm tired of not having strength. And then, so during that time, that's what I praised that he was there with me, that he gave me enough strength that I can fake it till I can make it in front of my wife, if that makes sense. So I wasn't as sick as I prepared or perceived to be in her eyes. Mm. So I didn't have to worry her. Thank you, Doc Holiday. <laughs> I didn't mean to hijack that, Carl. Sometimes I said... It's a conversation. It's not a hijack. I think sometimes... 
you know, it was either for me or someone listening. It's hard to know what to praise when you're in that situation. Well, I want to highlight something that I think we get wrong a lot. Thankfulness requires something to be thankful for. Praise does not require something to praise him for. I think sometimes we think, I'm, I'm praising him for this. I'm praising him for that. Now, that's thankfulness. That's different. Praise, you, you're, you're just honoring him and, and acknowledging him because he exists, period. Correct. You don't need a reason to praise. Praise is something that should be, if, if you learn the lesson that David's highlighting here in this psalm, which we'll get to in a second, praise should become your natural state no matter what your circumstances are. Whether you're in a green pasture or a dark valley, your natural state should be praise. That's what he wants to get you to, at least. I agree with that. I just I just thought it might be nice to throw it out there for the listeners. Sometimes, you know, even I have trouble distinguishing between thanks and praise. And I thought if I'm having trouble, I'm sure others are as well. Makes sense. Jeff, something else, Ronnie. Um, you know, you guys know me, and like, if it's the hot new thing, like, I don't like it that much mm-hmm. because it, so for me, five was always the verse that I looked at, but for different reasons, right? Like when I was younger, Ronnie, it was always, I'm with my king. Look at me. You guys aren't because mm. you're my enemy. Right? Like you could have had this, but no. You suck. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's how younger Ronnie thought. No, I get it. Now, it, it's a whole... I probably see it how it's intended. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> like, where I'm sitting at the table with my king, surrounded by the doubters, the non-believers, but I'm doing it anointed as my cup overflows with grace and tact to show them what they're missing. Mm-hmm. But killing them with kindness, if you will, for lack of better term, right? Like this is what you could have also. You can have a seat at the table too. And we did a group study on this and I thought it highlighted that particularly well. And that wasn't the first time that I actually like had the revolution or revelation about it. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah. but, but, but younger cockier brass Ronnie thought one way as I see it different now, it's like more of I'm here with my King at the table. He's anointing me, anointing you, anointing you. My cup overflows. So to keep filling that cup, I need to go talk to the enemies about it as well, to tell them how good this feast is at the table, not the other way around. Not the, look, I'm eating the best grapes that the garden has or <laughs> you know drinking the best coffee or what whatever and i think that's that's a heart condition and a heart change as well 
which wouldn't happen if he wasn't there through those valleys, if he didn't redo me, restore me. But yes, for me, that's the verse I always looked at most of the time for wrong reason, like I said. Mm -hmm. Sorry, take your glasses off. You should ask when you have something profound yeah, to say. No, I'm good. I was bracing no, myself. No, we're, we're all right. Nothing? I was no. waiting for the pearl wisdom to pop out over yeah. there. Yeah. So, even in the dark valley, it's still a path of righteousness, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's important to, like, to acknowledge also that the path of righteousness isn't just in the green pasture. It's wherever the shepherd leads. Like, wherever the shepherd leads... Following him is following in the path of righteousness. Um, that's he defines it. So following in his footsteps, his directions, his guidance, his counsel, his instructions. What do you learn in the valley then? What are the lessons? Yeah, I'd like to know that one. I think it depends on what, what's going on in your life at that time. It may be patience. What your lack is. What your lack is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it just all depends on... What, what you're going through at the time. Uh, I mean, there, there's, there's been times that I've had to learn patience. Oh, I've, had, uh, I've had to swallow my pride. I'm good mm-hmm. on that. Are you good on that? <laughs> Keep going. Ronnie needs to swallow his pride a little more. Probably. Yeah. He's choking on down because it's stuck in his throat. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, just whatever whatever you're lacking in or whatever you're, you're – having something with i mean you know it may be something as simple as having a fight with your wife you know what i'm saying i do yeah. just you know i mean when you when you get in an argument with your loved one that's a dark valley sometimes i mean you know because all kinds of stuff floods through your head you know it can hinder your walk oh a- absolutely it can. without a doubt absolutely it can you know the thing is, is, is that's what, that's what Satan wants. You know, he wants us. He wants us to stumble. He wants us to fall. He wants us to stay in the valley. He doesn't want us to trust what God's got. Yeah. He doesn't want us to know that God's in the valley with us. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. Because if 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 he can get your gaze off of the shepherd, then he's one step away from getting you off of the shepherd's path. Yes. If you're not watching the shepherd, you're not following the shepherd. Exactly. Inevitably, you're going to stray away. And that's to to me. That's the 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 central focus here. Is 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 David's eyes are on the shepherd. What's interesting to me. I was going to bring this up later, but I'll I'll just highlight it now. If you look at the verses before verse four, everything David says, it's he, 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 he. Every every time he describes the good shepherd, it's in the third person. The first time he turns to the shepherd and addresses him directly and says, "You." is in verse four mm-hmm. in the dark valley. It was the dark valley that gets him away from just talking about the good shepherd to looking at him and talking directly to him. And if you read the rest of that that psalm, he continues that through the end. He never says he again. No. He never refers to the good shepherd in the third person ever again. For the rest of the psalm, it's all you, you, you. His focus is exclusively on the good shepherd. That's poetic and it's intentional. It is. It's because as he started walking through that dark valley, he knew who was there with him. Mm-hmm. So instead of talking to him about him in the third person, he's like, you, you're the one. You're there with me. Yeah. You take care of me. You comfort me. You, 
It's all him. That, and that, that in itself is a praise. When you give God the, all the glory for everything that he's doing, that is, that is actually praising him right there. Absolutely. That was the, that was the answer to the question you asked a while ago. And it's the it's the dark valley, valley that's the catalyst for all that too. Right. You know, hearkening back to our last roundtable episode, we kind of we we mentioned. Right, I think I had mentioned that that you know, if you had it, like, I think I was using the example of the woman with the bleeding. But if if you're in a palace, you're not chasing after him. Correct. If you're semi uncomfortable, you're not chasing after him. But if you're in a dark valley, you are. And that's what we see happens with David here. David's expressing that that's that's what he experienced was you know I was in green pastures. And I knew about God, but I wasn't talking to him. I didn't have a personal relationship. I was by quiet waters and I knew about God, but I wasn't talking to him. I didn't have a personal relationship. But man, when I got in the dark valley, you, you are with me. All of a sudden, there's a personal relationship and it leads to, you know, your favorite verse there, Ronnie, the, the table, being at the table and, you know, the, the, the anointing of the head, the overflowing cup. And then the, the final verse, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's probably my favorite verse because of the word he uses there. It's a terrible translation. And it, it stuns me that every translation pretty much words this the same way. First off, loving kindness is kased in Hebrew. And we, we can best understand that as like grace. It's like all encompassing of his love, grace, mercy, compassion, all of those things wrapped up into one. Every good intention that he has for us is wrapped up in that, in that word. But that word follow, it's, it's, it's to relentlessly pursue. In the Hebrew, it doesn't mean follow. We, you know, we hear follow and we think just, you know, just going to walk along behind you at a leisurely pace. That's not what this word is talking about. This, this word is describing like a hunter chasing after prey relentlessly. Yep. He's saying that your loving kindness relentlessly pursues me all the days of my life. <laughs> That's what he's saying there. Um, radaf, I think is the Hebrew word, if I remember right. It's, it's, it's a beautiful picture that, that, you know, the alternative is, and I think I shared this yesterday, that if he's just leisurely following after us and we're running away from him, there's a cliff and we're about to run over the cliff. And the only option that he has to keep us from running off of the cliff is to chase after us relentlessly and grab us, even in a way that might hurt us, to keep us from running off of the cliff and he yanking us back because that's how much he loves us. Mm -hmm. He won't allow us to run off the cliff willingly. Um, and again, it all, it, that, that relationship that he has, it's, it's all central in the valley. He learns all of this in the Absolutely. valley. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the the obvious, the obvious, uh, lesson learned is dependence. Yes. I think most people would probably define Psalm 23 as depending on him. And that's not necessarily wrong. I think that is an obvious sur surface level lesson in Psalm 23 is depending upon the good shepherd for everything and in everything. Right. I think the secondary lesson and the more difficult one is being in step with him because we see that theme of the paths of righteousness he leads me in the paths of righteousness then he describes being in the dark valley well he's still on the path of righteousness but i think what the dark valley does uh, we, we see something with shepherds for example and this is something that a friend of mine shared the day before i gave this this sermon this weekend so it was kind of cool um in in the middle eastern region they deal with vipers there um asps and they they burrow into the ground. They have burrow holes in the ground. And if a sheep walks over the burrow hole, they can come out of the hole, the coil, and they can strike the sheep. 
what the shepherd will do is he'll walk ahead of the sheep and he'll he'll check after the he'll check for viper holes and he'll pour oil around them because if the the hole is slicked with oil the viper can't get out. So as long as the sheep is following after the shepherd and the shepherd's checking for viper holes the sheep can walk after the shepherd in perfect complete total safety even in a in a dark valley of vipers because he's checking for the holes and he's oiling them so they can't get out but if the sh- if the sheep diverts 20 feet over and the sheep's still following in the direction of the shepherd but not following in the shepherd's path then it's coming across viper holes that haven't been oiled so it's in danger so i think what the vi- what the what the dark valley essentially does is it serves to narrow our following after the shepherd so instead of just vaguely following in the direction the shepherd's going the dark valley forces us to narrow our, our, our pathway to his pathway. It refines us, essentially. So instead of only partially walking in the path of righteousness, we're more fully walking in the path of righteousness. I think that's what we see pictured there. Yes. Taking off, Bob? Yes. Yeah, I got to go. Uh, I, I, I am going to say one thing before I leave. You know, when we're when we're sitting at the table with him in the presence of our enemies, to me, that is that is God showing the enemy that we are his and they have no right to us. They're like, look, this is my precious. Whatever stone or however you want to put it, this is this is my child Mm -hmm. and you have no right to touch him. I'm going to set him here. I'm going to showcase him in front of you, but you can't touch him. But you got to watch him. And you got to understand that he's mine. That's just me thinking. Yeah. That's, we'll call that my final thought. You guys have a good night. All right, fair enough. I think actually we'll take a quick break and play our featured song for the week. This week we're going to play a song called Worthy by Mason Clover. Um, be sure and stick around. We'll catch you on the other side with, with some closing thoughts. I have a little bit more that I want to share, but we'll mostly be sharing final thoughts. Catch in a few.
back again that was worthy by mason clover what else you guys got got any more thoughts on it ronnie um i like how in six which you said which is the final verse only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and i dwell in the hours of the lord as long as i live so only mm-hmm. it's not saying that hard things aren't coming but only goodness and faithful love will run after us everything else is part of that valley part of the world but what's coming from our shepherd is the goodness and the faithful love all the time. Pursue. Mm-hmm. That's an action. Like you said. It's not just a we're gonna walk. That's an aggressive pursue. It's an aggressive verb. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> I think it highlights that if we're if we've learned the lesson of the valley. And we've narrowed our walk behind the shepherd. We have our eyes on him and we can say, you are with me. Um, Even though my circumstances are very difficult, even though I'm surrounded by evil, if we've narrowed our walk down, although the enemy would attempt to pursue us, only the good shepherd can overtake us. Mm -hmm. If, If we're following after him and under his covering, that doesn't mean that you won't deal with difficult circumstances. Obviously, we, you know, scripture's loaded with, with, his sheep dealing with difficulty. Um, you know, you had Jeremiah in a pit, you have Stephen stoned to death, you have Jer- you know, John the Baptist beheaded. It's not to say that we don't live in a difficult world, you know what I mean, right. with, with difficult circumstances, but we can depend upon the shepherd with our, with our greater good. Yeah, pursuing mm-hmm. after us. But, well, 
resting on laurels or resting on anything or just walking four feet behind us, letting us casually do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Like it's always chasing and it motivates me. Like we were talking about on the round table of like being like Zacchaeus, right? That he ran and climbed a tree. He pursued Jesus. He didn't walk down the path Mosley on, you know, looking at the tulips or whatever, <laughs> which we do sometimes. We're just hop, skipping, jumping. We need to pursue more. As he pursues us, we need to pursue him back. Mm-hmm. I think the final lesson that I see in Psalm 23 that I want to talk about um, and you know, we don't have to dive deep into it because I think it's kind of self-explanatory is intimacy. I, I believe that all of it is leading to an intimate relationship with him. Again, you see that pictured in the beginning of the psalm when he talks about the good shepherd in the third person. He knows about him, but he's not talking to him. And then you get to the dark valley and it's you. You are with me. And now his like focus is on the good shepherd. Yeah. And then you see this intimate relationship where he's at his table. He's being anointed by him. He has an overflowing cup. He's dwelling in his, in, in his house forever. It's all a pathway leading to intimacy. You know, not not mere religious head knowledge about the shepherd, but an intimate relationship with the shepherd. That's the goal. That's the goal of all of it. And, and you know, the, the goal isn't dependence for dependence sake alone. The goal isn't walking in the paths of righteousness for the sake of that alone. The goal is intimacy with him. That's what he created us for was to have an intimate relationship with him. It involves those things. Don't get me wrong. It involves depending upon him and walking in his pathway as he defines it. And again, that's that's important to remember, too. It's righteousness as he defines it, not as we define it. Right. When, when we try to define our own righteousness, then that's like us following the general direction, but 20 feet off to the side, like I mentioned, and now you're subject to some viper strikes right. or some wolf attacks because you're not narrowing your pathway to, to his definition of righteousness and his word defines righteousness for us. Like I mentioned on the roundtable this week, his heartbeat. Yeah. You know, His word is his heartbeat, and this is him getting our heartbeat aligned with his heartbeat. Yep. And central to that, the catalyst in that is often the dark valley. It was for David, and I think it is for many of us, if not all of us. And I don't know what that looks like for each individual person. It's always different. But whatever it takes for him to get us into an intimate relationship with, with him, that's what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. No matter how painful it may seem in the moment or in the process. And that's kind of like our reward on the other side. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he's preparing the table. He's overflowing our cup. So yeah. he's pursuing before it's even stated that he's pursuing. Yeah. Right. We're not setting the table. He's setting the table for us. Yes. And that's why I love that imagery of, of when I mentioned that word for restore there, they can, can also translate as a form of repentance. When you see it as like, uh, yeah, I'm repenting, but he's repenting me. You know, when you think of 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 the sheep language, a sheep falling into a pit is is sinning, mm-hmm. right? And crying out to him for help is repenting. But I picture him standing over the edge. You know what I mean? Looking yeah. into the pit, waiting for us to stop fighting against the staff so he can pull us back out. Like he was pursuing all along, right? He didn't need us to cry out so he could figure out where we were at. But he we knew where surrender. we were. 
we had to surrender. Always. And that's really what the theme of Psalm 23 is, is that process of surrender so you can have that intimate relationship. It's yeah. beautiful. That's the whole, from Genesis to Revelation, is about surrender. Yes. I mean, you're going to surrender to something all the time. Mm-hmm. Unless your pride tells you not to. Yeah. So I like that you mentioned that too, because that's essentially, to me, it's just six verses. Psalm yeah. 23, it's one of the shortest chapters in all of Scripture. And in just those six verses, we get a deep, powerful, emotional picture of the entire narrative of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Psalm 23 alone defines Scripture from beginning to end. It really does. It defines the the, the whole intent of Him giving us this, this revelation. Mm-hmm. It's from beginning to end, knowledge about Him, leading to our eyes fixed on Him, leading to an intimate relationship with Him, leading to dwelling with Him in His house forever. Mm-hmm. It's a complete picture, all, all being guided by the Good Shepherd Jesus. It's a complete picture of the entire narrative, the entire paradigm of Scripture, all wrapped up in this one short psalm. Yep. Let's pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts. You sleep over there? Oh, no, I'm wide awake. For a change. <laughs> What's the final thought? <clears throat> You're being quiet, and that's well, weird. Been, you know, as we went through the Psalms, I was trying to pick out words in the Psalms that sometimes cause people to stumble. That's why I talked about the staff and the rod mm-hmm. and the darkness. What does praise look like in the valley? And the last one that hit me was what you said Ronnie, about surrender. Sometimes I, I don't think we fully know how to surrender. No, I, I'm not, don't take this as an argument, but I think most of the time, general consensus is surrender is bad. That's because it's used in the world. It's usually, right? Like sur- if you, like in Gunsmoke episodes, right? Like oh, the yeah. Cowboys, now we're talking. The Cowboys inside. Oh, cowboys, now we're talking there, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the bad guy always holds up his hands to surrender. Right. Right? means I give up. When we praise him, we have to surrender ourselves. Sometimes, no matter if it's holding the big TV, small TV, whatever that looks like, we're surrendering. And I think a lot of the context around it is surrender's bad. Surrender's always a bad thing. Here, it's not so we make it sound bad, but it's not bad. That's why I wanted to talk about just a little bit, because I think you're right. Most of the world sees surrender as weakness, mm-hmm. and it's not. Sometimes I don't think we know how to fully surrender. And I think it's, that might be an episode worth digging into. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess my final thought is, you know, I've like everyone else, I've read Psalm 23,000 times. And tonight, some new things stuck out to me. So my final word is, read your Bible. Like Ron has a really neat shirt that says B-I-B-L-E on the back. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. 
How true is that? Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a great shirt. It's a great conversation starter, but it's also got a lot of truth in it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have you go last, Ron. I'm gonna have you pray us out. Okay. Do you want to pass, Ron? Yeah. Are you sure? I don't. I don't understand the the darkness. The whole. I don't. I was in a hole. It is coming up again. I don't remember how I got out. I don't have a clue. And you all say, you're sitting here saying, praise him when you're in that hole. I don't recall praising him at all. But yet, I don't, I don't know how I got out of that hole. And I've been trying to figure it out, listening. And I, I, I don't have an answer. When the sheep's in a pit, the sheep isn't singing songs to the shepherd. The sheep's crying out desperately for help from the shepherd. And I, I definitely think it's was very possible. That. I think it's very possible when the shepherd pulls the sheep out of the pit, the sheep can be so panic stricken they don't even remember what happened or how it happened. Um, it's like being in a bad car accident; you can't recall all the events. Right. I think. I th- I think we have the idea that praise has to be us jumping up and down with a big grin on our face and and singing songs. Can be that. Praise can also be in the midst of a dire circumstance. Or, or a difficult valley, tearfully saying, I don't understand this, God. I don't know why this is happening, but I love you, and I choose to trust you, and I know that you are with me. Like, praise can be simply prayerfully acknowledging him and asking him for help. It, it, it doesn't have to be some over-the-top worship experience like we see in a charismatic church. Does that make sense? Yeah, because like I said, I... I've sat here this whole thing thinking about that night. And I guarantee you I had to be at the bottom of the pit. And I don't know how I got out. The Good Shepherd did send quite a few of your brothers and sisters to surround you. That is true. But at the same token, a lot of the time during that time, they were blind to my eye. I didn't. I didn't see them. I felt them because I was being hugged. I was being prayed with, but I didn't see them. And like I said, I've been sitting here trying to figure out because here lately, I've been praying a lot more, wanting to pray for others a lot more. Speaking to him by myself a lot more. But then when I listen to all the valley darkness and where I was that day, I don't remember how I got out. Because he was with you. Because just like David says, even when I'm in this dark valley, you are with me. Goes back to what Bob said about the footprints in the sand, brother. Maybe it's a blessing or praise that you don't remember how you got out. Also, mm-hmm. it could be just that simple. Yeah. 
that's all I that's all I got. That's all I've been thinking about. Is because I know I wasn't praising him. I could guarantee you I wasn't. But yet somehow I got out of the hole because I'm still you know still serving. Yeah. And it seems like it's getting stronger. You know, because I know what I want to do. I know where I want to go or he wants to lead me to do. But yet, the fact that I'm here, I don't know how I got there. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I got out of that hole. All you really need to know is who brought you here. It was it was the good shepherd that did it. And I mean, there are things, I could say the same thing when I look back at the valley I walked through. Um, I remember certain things, but other things, I'm like, I don't know how I got to do that, period. I have no idea how I muscled through that. I don't even know how I got out of bed in the morning. At, at points, I really don't. Like, there were times that all I wanted to do was just curl up in a ball and die. I would just be honest. That's That's what I wanted to do. I don't know how I got up at points. All I know is that the difference between where I was and where I am now was him. It was him. Well, and it's coming up. It uh, That valley's coming up again. Granted, it, hopefully it's not going to be the same as that, but I guarantee you I will probably end up falling again. Being one year. You know, and all those like firsts, all those firsts, you know, throughout the year, all those firsts, it was a valley all over again. But this one coming up being the day of the darkest moment of my life for me. I I, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's the importance of community. I think, I think Bob mentioned on the round table this week, uh, Ecclesiastes two are better than one for when the one falls, his fellow can help him up. That's the same context of the of the the three 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 strand cord. Um, when when one of us is walking through a circumstance that I just I can't get myself up. That's why we come alongside each other to encourage each other and to remind each other that we can say with David here, "You are with me." We can look at the good shepherd and say, "I don't understand this, but you are with me." Test for sure. The understanding part, anyway. Not understanding. Yeah. So that's all I have. Mine's pretty simple. I don't hand it over to you. I'll let you steal the show, Ronnie. Every time you say mine's pretty simple. It really is this time. It really is this time because of of the theme and, and kind of where the discussion went. I you know, I've been thinking about it a lot. Psalm chapter 46 or Psalm 46, verse 10. Um, one of the most popular bumper sticker verses that you'll find be still and know that i am god and it's so misused it's so misused because of how that psalm actually starts mm -hmm. that psalm you know we think of dark valleys in the very beginning of that psalm david describes a dark valley he describes calamity he describes earthquakes and tempest and storm and a horrifying circumstance that without god you would just you'd just give up You'd absolutely give up. It would seem like there's no way out of this. And it's in, and, and by the way, he doesn't promise that God's going to take that away. He doesn't promise that he's going to stop those terrible circumstances. But then David says, 
be still, or I'm sorry, the shepherd through David says, be still and know that I am God. Yeah, be still there is not idleness, by the way. It's not sitting back and doing nothing. It's rafa in Hebrew, and it means to desist, to desist, to cease striving against. What he's saying is, stop striving against me. Stop working against me. Stop trying to take control and know that I am God. Even in the midst of these dire circumstances that may continue, I am God. I'm in control. And I am with you. That's what he's promising David there. Even in the midst of dire circumstances, I am God. Stop striving against me. That's my final thought. Mine goes a little bit with that. And it it's all about, we talked about it a little bit here. We talked about it on the round table this week is the surrender part, right? Like that's been highlighted for me for a week and a half. That was the word. That's what made Psalm 46 jump into my head, surrender. Because I think that's what he's describing there in verse 10 is surrender. Stop striving, surrender. Sorry. Right. Yeah. And forgot the word, so I got excited when he said it. In Psalm 23, we're going to go through that dark valley. It says it right there. But how we go through that dark valley and on the other side is up to us. Are we going kicking and screaming? Or are we going to just surrender and let him rescue us? Like a crossroads? Like a crossroads. Yeah. Right? Like you talked about the sheep in the in the pit and the hook. We can butt heads until we're blue in the face, until we finally surrender and let him be him and save us from ourselves. Yeah. Because I think about it, maybe not so much in Ron's <clears throat> situation, but who's usually to blame for those? dark valleys anyways usually yourself yeah so usually i'm not saying in all circumstances right so and like we said before he takes account your stupidity already (laughs) right so quit being stubborn about it you got yourself into that whatever it is most time, not all the time, surrender and let him rescue you so you can have a rescue story. And even when it's a circumstance you didn't create for yourself, allow yourself to learn the 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 spiritual lesson he has for you, leading to intimacy with him. Yeah. I think that's that's probably the most important takeaway. Allow yourself to be drawn closer to him, even in those circumstances, because he's he's the solution. Not to say that he's, again, Psalm 46, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to take the turmoil away, but he's with you, and you can trust in that. But also in my situation, I believe the surrender part had to have been there. Because had it not been there, I would have thought I would have seen myself come out of that hole. Or not. Or Yeah, or- but I, what I'm saying is, I mean— for me to come out of that hole that I was in, because I hated him, I was done, I was in a very dark place. 
I think I had to surrender to some point just so that he could drag me out without me even knowing it. Yeah. And I agree with you. I just couldn't speak for you. Uh, well, and that's, and that's what I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, there has to be, there had to have been a point of surrender for me during that day. Had to be. Mm-hmm. Because if there wasn't, how would I got out? And to be fair, it might not have been that day. And, and you're right. It may not have been. It may not have been that day. Right. You're correct. But the surrender part had to be in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Because if it if if it wasn't in there, I'd have I'd have been eaten alive from the inside out. Yeah. And when you go to pray, Ronnie, I would like to ask if you would. Uh, Pray for uh, Roy Dale. He uh, he fell the other day, and one of his ribs punctured his lung. And uh, he just, I asked him about it, and he just texted me back saying uh, that they had to put a tube in his chest because of collapsed lung. So, so he's in a kind of a bad way right now. So, ready? Yep. Lord, we come to you with all different kinds of emotions, right? With praise, with thankfulness, sometimes with questions. But we do so wholeheartedly and wanting to pursue you, sometimes not even knowing why why this happened, why that happened. But what we do know is that we want to be able, like David said in Psalm 23, set at your table and have that intimate relationship with you. You heard Ron's request about Roydale and the pain that he's going through. Um, I ask you if you could ease that pain and comfort for him. Ease the pain for comfort for him. So that way he can rest and get better at your hands. Give us the strength to surrender for you, to you. Take away all the deep, dark things of our heart. Let us give those things over to you so we can praise with you, for you, and we can share your word wherever we go. We can be that candlelight in somebody's deep, dark valley. I pray that this weekend this week any day we dive in and pursue after you with for that intimate relationship that we so desperately need there's some unanswered concerns there's also some troubling things out there that no, um, you only know, and you only know why. 
and that's okay. Bring peace and comfort during that time. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.